everybody. Welcome back for our next episode of Drug Dealing Bookers. We are really excited to finally get together, even in all the craziness with COVID. Uh, we have found a way to still bring you guys content. Sorry, it's delayed a little bit, but here we are. Yeah. Hi. Hey, it's me, Cheryl. It's Misha. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're really excited. We read a book called that Cheryl had picked, and it's called The Women in the Castle by Jessica Shattuck. And, yeah, it's taken a while to read, but here we are. Okay, to be fair about <laughs> taking a while to read, though, can we just can we just kind of blame it on COVID a little no, bit? No. <laughs> <laughs> This all COVID's fault. I think we can because I'll tell you when I when we started reading the book, COVID nineteen started coming up big time, and it just the book was last thing on my mind, honestly. And I've had a really hard time just concentrating. I've been really, I don't know, my thoughts have just been somewhere else, and reading a book hasn't been number one on my thoughts. Yeah, honestly, I can I want to blame COVID too because I go from working for the day and then I come home and I have to homeschool my kids for about three hours a night and then do like our normal duties of cleaning and cooking and yeah reading's just not really taking precedence at that point but I feel like I have a good rhythm now so our next book man we're gonna be on it I've read several books because I have not <laughs> <else to do. laughs> overachiever so yeah of course you have but, you know, you read one book in a night. So, of course, you've read a couple of books, she, several books. I was going to say, she read like four books in a weekend. She came back. She had borrowed some from a coworker. And she came back and like plopped them on the desk and was like, yeah, done. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> wow. So, well, I'm really serious. I'm blaming COVID. I'm blaming COVID-19. I just haven't been able to concentrate. There have been other things that have been on my mind. Fair enough. Yes, I'll give it to okay. you. Okay. So what's next on our agenda? The book title and author you've said summary is the next on the agenda. And this is where our podcast might get a little weak. I really, truth be told, I more listened to the book than read it. And I listened to it while I was doing other things. And so I'm trying to put together... A summary of the book and actually I found one online here that's pretty good and I'm just highlighting parts that I'm going to read to sort of get the gist of the book so the woman in the castle is told in four parts with a prologue at the start the novel starts with a prologue from Mariana's perspective at the castle Berg Lingenfels in Jürgenheim Germany in November of 1938 Mariana is throwing an annual party that is a tradition of her aunt-in-law, a German countess. She's greeting all of her guests, and Connie Fleeterman, one of Mariana's closest friends, arrives with his new and very young and attractive wife, Benita. Later, Mariana finds her husband, Connie, and other men. Mariana finds her husband, whose name happens to be Albrecht, and Connie, and other men in the study discussing recent events in Munich, later to be called Kristallnacht. The men agree they must work together to resist Hitler, and Mariana promises that the women and children will stand at their side. So basically, these men at this party have decided that they're going to assassinate Hitler, mm. and they're and they're calling it Kristallnacht or, or Crystal Night. That's my German background that I good job. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so then we go back to so there are some several women. Mariana Benita is Connie's 
wife. And then there's another woman named Anya that they meet later on. And it, the story goes about those three women and how after the resistance fails and all of those men die, Mariana has to go and she finds those women. And those women have some kids and she brings them all back to Berg Lingenfels where they live not so much in harmony. And during this time is, I couldn't remember, is it during the war that they're in Bergling at Fells or right after? Or sort of as the war is coming to an end, is I that think right? coming yeah. to as an end because that's when the, like, the U.S. troops and stuff were coming over. So they were dealing with oh, right, right. Russian soldiers, right. but American soldiers. And so they really were these women that were just really vulnerable to all of these different men coming and going and trying to take what they wanted. And Right. Okay. And, some, and at one point, some Russian soldiers go up there and start taking they want to take the food they want to take their water and the women kind of resisted but also decided they needed to be nice to them and then the men wanted to take their gardener's horse and kill the horse and they ate the horse which i thought was really sad that was the saddest part of the book that was sad <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't really part of the book i'm kidding the horse is the saddest part of the book <laughs> well, she made, okay the author made it sad and the horse knew what was coming yes <laughs> oh my gosh it was awful old gilda or whatever her name was <laughs> so anyway it wasn't the saddest part but it was super sad and then Benita or the the um the Americans bring in a man to help them and he's a German Nazi prisoner and so he comes in his name is Mueller and he comes in and helps them out and Benita falls in love with this Franz Mueller. And when the Russians were there, she discovers, I have to go warn Franz Mueller that the Russians are here or they're going to come and kill him. So she goes to warn him and there's already a Russian soldier there. So she had a paring knife and she killed this Russian soldier and they hide him. And that's just something that's never spoken of again. And then after the war, I guess at this time, Benita goes back and they want to get married. Franz and Benita and Mariana decides she needs to stop this marriage because Connie would not appreciate it. And so she was kind of a bitch and she walked in there and she stopped this marriage from happening. And then Benita never really fully recovered and she kills herself. Mm -hmm. And so... What happens next? Basically, then after after that, what happens is that it's kind of after the war and maybe 40 years later. And Martin, who is Benita's son, takes Mariana to a reunion at Berg Lingenfels. And Mariana sees Anya, Anya's daughter, who is named Mariana and Anya. And they're re reunited at the Berg Lingenfels. The end. Well, what I know was that Mariana had estranged herself from Anya because she found out that Anya was actually on the side of the, the Nazis. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, she became this, a, a Nazi. This, like uh, running away from these horrible thing. It was more, I mean, she was still running away 
Right. I forgot about that part. Yeah. So I just kind of going into like a little bit of the story, like this was one of the first books I've read where I thought it did a really good job at showing these different lives of these women and, and raising their children in this crazy time and all kind of uniting and all from different walks of life. Um, and it was just kind of, I thought it was an interesting book in the fact of all of these women converged in the time of, of a really scary period in history. And they all kind of survived and really took care of each other. And Marianne kind of being the leader of that and she was definitely like the mother hen and Mm -hmm. how they all kind of went through that together but then because they went through such tragedy they all kind of separated and dispersed because they didn't want to focus on that time it was so traumatic um and then it was interesting how it when they were older they found their way to each other and one thing is because marianne decided to have this book written somebody was writing a book and they were writing basically her kind of memoir of her time during everything and so she was being honored at Berglingenfeld and fully butchering that but she was being honored there where it was going to be like the big book release and she invited all of her friends and some of the children um, to kind of reunite and and kind of reminisce about what they had been through and just kind of uh, rejoin together so it was kind of a neat in the book so wait can you clarify that for me because I guess I didn't catch that. So who's writing the book? There was a woman who was an author and she had met Marianne and decided to, um, she wanted to write a book. And so she okay. wrote, she wrote the book based off of Marianne's kind of retelling of everything they went through. And Okay, I got it. So she's the one that started the Bergling and Fells reunion. Yes, yep. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, remember, basically, the castle turns into this, like, literary institute on resistance or morals or something like that. And so this this lady had come across stuff from Marianne and wanted to do a book on her. Okay. And so before we get much farther, we first need to talk about what wine we're drinking, and then we're going to review our book. You read my mind because I've been enjoying my wine that I'm drinking right now, which happens to be a Pacific Northwest wine. And if you like Barberas, this place, I'm telling you, has the best Barbera in the Pacific Northwest, maybe in the world. It's called Cascade Cliffs Winery. And I'm drinking right now their 2018 Blood Red Barbera, which is... Maybe a little bit um, sweeter than I would love, except that now it's kind of more like a dessert type wine for me at this point in the evening. And it is so good. It's really fruity, really deep, really dark, and I love it. Tanisha, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a 2013 Malbec from Reserve. Mm. De la Andes. It tastes like vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> That's because it's not local, girl. I know. <laughs> Enjoy that vinegar over there. Sherilyn, mm. I... what are you drinking? So this is a bottle I started a week ago and I didn't finish it. And so I thought I'm going to have the last of this bottle. Uh, and when I pour it, it's not even a full no glass, which is really sad, but it's actually a pretty good wine. It's Robert Mondavi. And so I know it's a Californian wine and it's a private selection Merlot. 
I normally hate Merlots. I'm more of a Cab Sauv kind of person or a Zinfandel, but uh, this one's actually not too bad. I mean, it's you know, it's affordable. It was good. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I can't stand Merlots, so just so you guys know. Yeah, I don't like Merlots either. I think they're normally too dry and just bleh. And this one actually is like, I actually like it. Good. Yeah. So you two are drinking shit wine and I'm <laughs> drinking good wine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm blaming you for this. It's because you're not here to feed and water us. <laughs> That's no. true. And to all of our listeners, just so you guys know, we are practicing social distancing and we all are in our own houses and recording. So I'm sorry if the audio is not perfect and you hear some background noise. We all are recording separately. So yes, we're being very responsible. Bear with us. I think next time maybe we can meet together, maybe in a garage or... Yes. (laughs) But we can meet together and it would still be socially responsible. Although we all three work together in the same place our yeah. families don't work with us so we can keep our distance from each other's families as well we're being smart yeah <laughs> it is smart and i wore my mask to the store today and i just want to give a shout out to masks and let everyone know wear your mask i mean for crying out loud it's not about you it's about everyone around you please wear your mask i saw the funniest thing about masks somebody was it the p yes Oh my gosh. Somebody I loved it. posted this like meme thing that said, let me explain how masks work. And it was like talking about how if somebody, if both of you don't have pants on and somebody walks up and pees on you, you're going to get covered in pee. But if you have pants on and they pee, well, now you're going to get less pee because your pants like will shield you a little bit. But if both of you have pants on, then nobody, you're not going to get the other person's pee because it's only going to go all over themselves. And I thought, oh, yeah, I so love genius. that. I was like, what a great way to explain that for the derelicts here in this area that don't seem to get it. <laughs> so that's, funny. Uh, that's funny. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I liked it. Okay. So that's our little mask shout out. And my, uh, I'm kind of on a mask soapbox right now. I think people need to wear masks. And that's our shout out for masks, our shout out for wine. Um, And I'm going to give my overall impression of the book, if I may. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought it was really good, but I'd like to read it again because I just did not, I don't get it. I don't get why the... White had to jump around from right now we're right at the end of the war. Now we're two years before the end of the war. Now we're 40 years past the war. And now we're right before the war. I just, yeah, it did. It it just jumped around. I didn't like that either. I think it would have been, I like stories where, you know, where the prologue happens and, Mm -hmm. and the prologue is 40, 40 years after the war. And then they go back and they go, oh, well, and this is what happened. And so then they talk about it chronologically from the party to everything that happened and then jump back again to 40 years. And so then it's kind of like a reminder, oh, yeah, this is what they were talking about at the beginning of the book. But I didn't like how in the middle they jumped around about two or three years forward and back just yeah I, don't, I didn't understand that why that was necessary so sorry it it actually pulled me out like i had to reorient myself and kind of trying to sink myself right the story yeah. every time so the thing that i was gonna bring up is at the end of the book i sat there and i'm like okay because i'm the same way 
um, really hard for me to focus on it when it was going all over the place. And I kept being like, oh my gosh, who is who? And in kind of my, <laughs> it would have been helpful to know a slight bit of German. Like I was really confused with the Air, Air Mueller and like the Frond. I did not realize that those were like a Mr. and Mrs. Like that that's not the person's actual name. That's just telling you that like that's Mrs. So-and-so. Oh. Mr. So-and-so. Yeah. So I was really confused because I'm like, well, do we have multiple Mueller's here like <laughs> forever so finally I like Google searched it about halfway through the book and was like oh so I think it was my fault that I thought there was like 20 characters in this book when really there was like five because I created like all these Mueller's and it was <laughs> is everybody named Freud I know it's so confused I'm like weird and but I think what have you guys ever watched the movie how to sew an American quilt or the Yaya sisterhood I've watched the Yaya sisterhood okay So I don't know if you remember, but like those movies were kind of done where it was these ladies as they were older and it kind of looked back on their life and it went to different time periods and kind of they're they're talking about kind of their past experiences. When I was done with this book, that's kind of what I felt like was that it was more of a depressing yeah, yeah, sisterhood. Like those were like, oh, let's look back on these times of us being rebellious and like our fun loving in the 30s and 40s or, you know, whatever. And some of them are sad and some were happy. But this was more of like looking back at a dark time. But I felt like that's kind of why the book jumped all over the place was to they just kept kind of looking back on things they had been through. But it was really hard to follow. Well, like, well, and maybe as I'm talking, as I'm hearing you guys, maybe you can tell me if I'm right. But did it sort of go like each person was telling their own story so that each person started way back when and then would bring it forward and then the next person would start it way back when and bring it forward. Maybe that's no. what I just didn't catch when I was reading it because I was reading. I just wasn't into the reading. No, they, they weren't in any sort of order. So you would go oh. to one character and she'd be in the midst of the war and then later on she'd be after and then she'd be before. There, was, there wasn't any sort of rhyme or reason to it. I felt uh, you mentioned the Yaya sisterhood. The thing with the Yaya sisterhood though was was is that they had a point to it. So they were trying to share or teach the lady's daughter about why her mom was so distant and why she seemed kind of crazy. So they were trying to explain to her. So it all came back to they were explaining to her about why like her memories were, were wrong and what really happened. Yeah. So this didn't have that. I felt like she just, I don't know, was purposely trying to be confusing but it, there was no need there was no need for it it was frustrating for me i think it would have been just fine if they went in a chronological order or you know what i thought would have been cool is if they did like um a pro like you know before the war each one and then yeah. they did one other each from different perspectives of how they felt about the others like it that way it would have made more sense this whole like jumping but everyone was jumping at different times yeah, I like a little bit more organization and a little bit more neat and tidy story myself. I, I like it to be something that I can follow. And I just don't appreciate stories that have me lost throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Call me crazy. I don't know. Call me crazy. I thought but- there were so many things I really liked about this book. Um 
that really were like, wow, okay, like this is a profound book. But that was one of the things like if I had to critique anything, that's what it was is maybe the delivery of it. And mm-hmm. if it was something it's really hard to say, because maybe I noticed that like, if I was continuously reading at one night, or if I read like every single night, I would remember what I read the night before, and be able to follow it easier. And so some of this might not necessarily be the author's fault. But like with you for right now with everything going on in the world, and all of our lives being kind of crazy, like if I would take a couple days away, I would be like, what did I even read? Like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And, and that was I do agree really confusing. Yeah. So I, I've talked to a couple of our listeners have reached out, read this book and mm-hmm. kind of said to me like, oh yeah, like one, one of our listeners, shout out to Cami. She had said like, oh yeah, the book was a little bit hard to follow because it jumped all over the place, but it'll be interesting to hear what you think when you get to the end of the purpose of that. And so I feel like I know she's a really dedicated reader that hunkers down and can blow through a book. And so I wonder if maybe I had given it that attention if I would have followed it easier. I think that maybe it's not Sherilyn, own I totally agree with no. you about that. I think it's my own fault. I do. No. I, no. I really do. <laughs> I read two, two sittings, right? I read it and then I stopped because I was like, I'm just forcing myself to read this. I have to stop. And then I went back and finished it um, today and it still bothered me. Like anytime I got to a new chapter and it was like 1991 or 1943, I just rolled my eyes and just did like a sigh, an outward sigh of like, (laughs) get my surround ready to figure out where we are. So what do you ladies think about the author's writing style? Like beyond the the time, like how do you think she is as a, as an overall writer? Oh, I, I totally uh, like her writing. I mean, I, I didn't have, this is not anything like those first couple of books where it was just miserable. I mean, this is like a real author, real, real book to read. I mean, it's, it's real writing. This is how people should be writing. But I mean, yeah, the right the writing was okay. It didn't take me out of it or anything. So let's go over the rating system before we get too far into discussing the actual book and the style and the plot and the characters and our final rating. So to stick with the COVID nineteen theme, we thought we'd rate these based on coveted COVID medications. <laughs> Coveted COVID. That's good. Medications. Yeah, I like that. So, our first and most important coveted COVID medication is remdesivir. That's the new medication that Gilead said just recently that their first trial is showing significant improvement in keeping people away from death. It's not a cure, but it may help prevent people from dying. Our second coveted COVID medication is something that our illustrious President Trump has said is just an excellent, truly wonderful <laughs> medication. It's the greatest and it is called hi, the greatest, absolutely the greatest. perfect medication. Hydroxychloroquine. Yes, hydroxychloroquine. Mm-hmm. And that one, sorry, Mr. President, but it doesn't seem to be as wonderful as it looked like it might have been. Although maybe it will help some people. Uh, The third one is azithromycin, which is an antibiotic. So it's not the most coveted because this is a virus and antibiotics won't work against a virus, but it will help prevent against bacterial pneumonia and some other things as your resistance is low fighting off COVID. Number four, 
The newest, most coveted COVID medication is famotidine, better known as Pepsid, that may actually show some promise against COVID-19 in breaking up the virus, sort of working as maybe an antiviral medication. And number five, vitamin C. Good old tried and true vitamin C. Beef up your immune system. Yes. So... That's our rating system. Number one, remdesivir. Number two, hydroxychloroquine. Number three, azithromycin. Number four, famotidine. Number five, vitamin C. And these are in reverse, though, right? So number five is the best. Number five is the worst. Remdesivir is the best. Yes. Vitamin C is the worst. Remdesivir is the best. Okay. Yes. Yes. Remdesivir is most coveted. So getting back on track about the about the rating i was gonna say that i like the author's writing style i think that she um, has a really good way of describing events and and really putting you in that kind of dimension of what's happening i felt like i was able to really be like wow like really have a lot of empathy with the characters can i interrupt you just for a minute is this cheryl and of course because i can't (laughs) of course it is because i can't you sound like you're talking in a tin cup I mean, right now. Does she sound all right to you, Tanisha? Yeah, she does sound a little weird. Sorry. Is that better? No. No, not really. Bizarre. Okay. okay. Well, go ahead, tin cup. <laughs> no, I really liked her writing style. I think that she's a great author. Um, really, it was nice to read somebody who can write in such a depth of a really hard time. That's not an easy subject to write. I think if I was an author, I would not be like, I want to write about Nazi Germany. Like, it's just not a time period that a lot of people like to focus on, but I think it's important for us too. I would have never picked this book. It's not, I don't really like historical dramas, but I'm really glad I read it. I think there were actually some things that when we get into more in depth about the book that I kind of want to bring up, but I had some things I think I actually learned and understood because of reading this book. So I was, she's a great author. Tanisha? Um, I think she portrayed the different perspectives of the women and kind of their storyline really well. I was able to kind of go into their, you know, mindset of you do what you can to save your kids and how, like even Ariana, who was part of the Nazi group, why that felt good to her. Because initially it was very joyful and happy and helping others and being part of a family and a community, which she didn't have. So it kind of showed some light on that aspect of, hey, it didn't start off with them throwing babies into a fire. That's not how it started. You know, it started as a, a community, you know, let's grow together, we love each other, let's bolster each other up. So I, I thought that that was really interesting because I'd never really thought too hard on that. So, and I did like her descriptions of the different walking that they had to do, like, you know, walk from town to town and kind of how they had to eat and hide their way. It was it was good. I uh, She was very descriptive on that piece of it. I, I enjoyed it. So I really like a wa- an author who can write And when they write and when I read their books that I can put myself in the protagonist positions and I can empathize with the characters. And I thought that she did a really good job with that. I, um, her descriptions and I don't know, I just felt when I read it, I could really feel with the characters and think and and just feel what they were feeling. As far as historical fiction goes, I really love historical fiction because I always hated history in school. And I 
have found that historical fiction for me is a good way for me to learn history without it being so dry. And I don't think that you have to know history according to memorizing dates and everything. So I really like being able to read historical fiction and understanding a little bit more in depth of what might have happened during that time yeah period. that's that's a good point yeah i've never thought of it that way um that you mentioned and, about the the characters because at the one point where you know um benita kills herself because she realizes she doesn't have like her son's off to school and she's alone and that was her purpose so in my mind i was like that's a bonita thing to do and then mary yep <laughs> when like mariana's kids were in school and everything like she would totally be the one that would be like to america to start anew like it's it was kind of funny because it was like that's mariana <laughs> so in that aspect like i feel like i actually got to know the characters and kind of what motivated them which was nice that was one thing her which, character development was which, great because she did a really good job at really giving each of them their own life they really were they didn't blend together they were very different women you basically had anya who was a was basically a Nazi and did all these things. And I want to talk more about Anya here in a little bit, but you had Anya who was that, and she had been through marriages and been through a lot of different things and had these children and had a later on marriage that was very loveless and had a child that stemmed from that. So it looked like she had a big age gap between her kids. And then you had Mariana, who was the strong one. She was the one that was going to hold it all together. She was a mother hen, but almost to her own peril. It kind of pushed people away because she was very controlling. She thought she had their best interests in mind when really she was kind of snuffing the life out of them and trying to force her own agenda on everybody. Um, and she didn't, I, it sounds in the book, it, she, you could tell she discovered that later on, that that was her biggest regret in life was yeah. that she knew she was too much of a mother hen. Um, and then you had Benita who I like how she, the author really described about how Benita was this beautiful woman and she was vibrant. And that was not a time when there should be any vibrant in love and beauty. People were, you know, really held down and impoverished and going through this crazy time, there wasn't room for that um, to be kind of a slinky, beautiful woman. And I like how the author really described that her beauty was her downfall, that she, it really wasn't her fault that she was beautiful and that she was more of a free spirit and her whole life mission was to love. Um, and it's sad that that actually ended up being why she committed suicide because she wasn't, uh, but Marianne had forced Air Mueller away from her because she thought it would be disrespectful to Benita's previous husband, who was um, the one that tried to assassinate Hitler. And he thought it would be like very disgraceful to her previous husband to be with someone who actually now was a Nazi. And, but that was, that was Benita's path. And it didn't disrespect her previous husband. She still loved him and had a place for him. But Marianne couldn't see past that. She was still black and white. And I think, so Benita lost that love. And then she lost her son moving off. And he was a charismatic kid who was, you know, great in sports and great in making friends and just did really good on everything he did. And so he was very free spirited and left. And I think she just felt this complete, like, okay, everything that I feel is not allowed. And she just felt really looked down on and it's sad that that was kind of her her undoing but the author i think did a great job at really separating those three women and showing that in normal circumstances they would never be friends but because oh, of the certainty they were bonded together and and really there were some of the deepest connections they had all their whole life who was your favorite character you guys um, Mine was definitely Anya, and I, I like I said, I want to really, I really want to go off on Anya about Anya. 
That's mm-hmm. funny. I love Marianne or Mariana. Ah, and really? I'm tell you, I, my favorite was Anya. Also, I'm going to tell you, she did not force them to break up. All she did was tell Benita, "I don't approve of this marriage, and here's why." And she did go and visit Harry Mueller, yeah. and she told him, yeah. "I don't approve." And and even Benita later on admits that it wasn't Mariana that destroyed it. It was the fact that she just brought to light that this wasn't a good idea because it basically brought up the guy's past. He was effed up. And Yeah, but I think that he had his own self-doubt where he felt so riddled with shame and guilt over being a Nazi that he, I think that he didn't feel like he deserved Benita and the love that and the light that she encompasses. And so he already didn't feel worthy and was already like pushing it. And then when Marianne came and solidified that, then he was like, yep, nope, can't do it. And I, I just didn't, I felt like that was not her place (laughs) yeah i i agree i think i think it could have worked because i think franz Mueller was so he just has been beating himself up and i don't think that you should define people by their past necessarily especially something like that where he was a nazi but i mean i think there were plenty of nazis that wish they weren't yeah i mean i just don't he had a conscience i mean he knew what he did was wrong that's why he was riddled the guilt of it and i think that a real you know thinking about in real life like you can get past a lot if you give somebody grace and you give them forgiveness of their shame you know i think that they could have moved past that if marianne wouldn't have cock blocked the whole thing <laughs> she was I agree. she just yeah, had I no agree. place to do that that was <laughs> i'm just I going agree. to say though yeah. okay if it hadn't been for marianne just walking straight up to those disgusting russian soldiers who were treating her like a whore and pulling her out of there like she owned the place she would have been dead by then anyway yeah i think marianne marianne did awesome there but i think anya impressed me more that's why i like anya so much is because anya was the one who's like no you you need to have the boys go and show them that they're you have support yeah. and she was the one that was kind of like she was sort of badass in yeah. that whole situation she was really good and i'm gonna point out i think i think mariana did that to benita because benita never acted like an adult she always acted like a child she didn't really Oh, I agree. Around the house. Yeah. She didn't help with the cooking. Yeah. She was always crying. Like there was even that scene where it's like, you know, the her son asked her if she believes in God. She called Terry. He got upset. He's like, God, you know, she's always crying. Like she was acting like a child. She was dramatic. Yeah, I so agree. Yeah, she, her like a child. Yeah. We could not have been. No, no, no. Okay, can I go on my Anya spiel? I'm pretty excited. Yeah, please. Okay, okay go ahead. So. My husband watches so much World War II things and we go in, we watch a lot about like the Holocaust and all of that. And I have always my entire life had a really hard time understanding how, because I know that Germany is full of beautiful, wonderful people. And I always struggled with knowing how in the world did anybody, I understand propaganda and I understand brainwashing and I understand those concepts, but how in the world are perfectly good people bamboozled into supporting people being thrown into the ovens and put in concentration camps. And I have never been able to wrap my head around that until this book, it finally gave me the answers that explained um, the Holocaust in a way that like, 
I needed to hear. And I have so much clarity and I'm so thankful to the author for that because that has always been on my mind, like how in the world. And Anya is the perfect description. So for our listeners out there to kind of go into Anya's journey. So it, like we said, it bounces back and forth of, of present time and the past. And Anya's daughter as an adult would always ask her mom, like, mom, how, how were you a Nazi? And how in the world did you like do these, you know, support these terrible, awful acts and look at what he did. And how, how would you ever be that person that would support this? And the author used the book of going back in time to explain um, kind of how she did this. And it was very fascinating because um, I had just never really heard it explained this way that Anya was a young teenager when Hitler started first coming about and they had just been in World War One, like less than 20 years prior. So they were still feeling the effects of this. So a war torn place. And then this person rises above and has this message of like independence and, you know, hey, we're going to make Germany strong again and we're going to get on the right track and we're going to have better jobs available to Germans and it's okay to be proud of where you're from. And so she fell in love with this message with her um, young husband at the time. They were like, you know, late teens, uh, early 20s. And she fell in love with this message so much that she decided that they wanted to support um, this growing emerging leader. And so they actually sign up to run a camp. So it was a camp for young boys. And she kind of explains in her stories about how this camp was meant to, they weren't teaching Nazi propaganda. They weren't saying Jews are evil, Jews are awful, let's burn them in ovens. They were saying things like, it's okay to to love Germany and it's okay to be a strong German. And the the way to succeed is to work hard and it's okay to, you know, have pride in your country and, and like we if we work hard, that's how we advance in life. And so they taught these messages in these young boys, thinking that they're teaching them to be good, strong German men. And then it talks about how a little bit later, she ends up getting another type of, of camp. And kind of before that, there were some times she explained how like they would, for one, for example, one time she had fleed and she needed clothes for her kids. And she went past this train depot and they were giving out all these jackets and blankets and all these different things. And she goes up and they were these beautiful wool jackets and she grabbed one for her sons. And she was so confused and she asked somebody where these came from. And the woman said, um, you know, basically that they had come from the Jews that were getting taken away. And she thought, well, this goes into everything Hitler's saying that the Germans or the Jews have such excess. Look at like they have so much excess that even after they, they go away, they have all of these beautiful coats laying around. So it must be correct. And you could see how you could kind of think that if you were being brainwashed and fed propaganda. But then she goes on to get um, this older camp of boys. And she then now they're teaching them like, okay, you're going to be a great, you know, soldier, and you're going to do everything to support Germany to get stronger. And her daughter had asked her, like, where did you think these Jews were going? Like, where did you what did you think was happening? And she said, well, I was running camps. And at these camps, they were great. We were eating really well. We were teaching really healthy things. We weren't teaching racism and all of these different um, subjects. We were just teaching to, you know, be strong in your country. And she said, so when they said they were sending the Jews to the camps, I just thought they were going to these camps to learn new trades and help them to be better 
people or stewards in the community. And so I could see where she would think that. And then she started leading this camp of older boys and she got orders to pick out her two top soldiers to deliver to a to a concentration camp. And so she goes to one for the first time and sees this um, horrible scene, which is which is pretty traumatic, I think, uh, reading the book of all of these women um, were tethered to like this wheel and they all were having to push around it and one woman collapsed from just complete exhaustion and was laying there limp and she, before instead of getting trampled they cut her loose and kicked her off to the side like she was just a bundle of garbage and she tried to get up and this is all right in front of Anya and uh, um, SS soldier hits her in the face with the butt of his rifle and all of a sudden that's when Anya realizes wow like I've been so completely lost in this this is really atrocious and then that night she takes her boys and flees with them but it, it answered such deep questions for me of how you could be bamboozled but this book did such a great job of explaining how you could sell into that and or buy into that um, and not really realize what's happening. That's wow, sorry. That's really I know that was really lengthy, but I was really loved it. No, but I mean, you put a lot of thought into it. That was really thoughtful. And I, that was, that's great. What has always blown my mind is how not so much how the ordinary citizens could be bamboozled. Cause I get that, you know, you're right. They didn't, they didn't have all the information. But what has always just floored me is how can these soldiers, how could these Nazis, these men do such horrible, atrocious things to people, to the to the Jews? They knew what they were doing. I mean, there's no there's no they knew when they were hitting somebody in the face with the butt of their rifle or when they were marching them off to gas them in the showers or when they were doing horrible experiments on the little girls in Nazi concentration camps. How could I just that's what blows my mind is how could somebody it just yeah, I just can't even comprehend it. Right? It's I mean, it's if you don't do it, then we're going to punish you and we'll throw you in one of these camps or we'll kill you. Or we'll throw your wife in one of these camps. It's like they're they're being led out of fear. Well, and I think you're right. Like that's how people like Herr Mueller were. I picture that with with soldiers like Herr Mueller. That yes, they're just following orders. But the higher ups, oh yeah, are the ones that I just can't get. You know, Mengele and all those. Oh, it. The uh, yeah, those are the people that I just am like, wow, I just can't even comprehend even the thought of that. But that's another book. It's not this book. <laughs> it's interesting, too, because even after the war, they talk about seeing all these guys that have come back from it, the Germans, basically, who were fighting for, you know, the Nazis. They come back and it's just weird. It's kind of weird to, because they're not the same. They're they're different now because stuff. Right. They've been forced to do things and they're trying to like, okay, you're you're now a baker again. Yeah. What you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm now about halfway into my bottle of wine, nearly, and we're at about fifty two minutes, and we still have to write oh, yeah. the book, let me, right? Let me point one one thing out real fast. Yes. So one of the things um, I did not like other than the the jumping around thing was I had a hard time, I think, with this because I'm I'm used to plot books where there's like a beginning, you know, a middle, some intrigue, conflict resolution, you know, end. And Mm -hmm. that wasn't at all. Mm -hmm. 
Like, it's basically just like there's something that happened. It wasn't climactic or, or anything like that. And so I think that that's one of the reasons why I struggled with reading it and really getting into it was because I didn't feel that it was necessarily going anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I do. Yeah, I do. I think a couple things I really liked about it too is um, I liked how they showed um, these women as they were older. So like now it's the 90s and they have their children and their grandparents. Um, and I liked how it, like Marianne would talk about how she was so impressed with how freely the grandparents could love their grandkids like and, and how they wish that she could have been that way. And I just, I liked how it talked about how really that stuck with them their entire lives. I think that that's kind of what we've seen um, and people have gone through great tragedies like that. So, I think yeah. that's a good point. I think ending wise, it was a little weird <laughs> did you ladies read the all of the ending part like there were she actually had cut out a chapter out of the book and she but she included it she said that it was cut out of the um the actual book itself because her editor and her thought it was too dark but then they included it for so you could read it did you guys read that one i did not no i didn't read that, that. i remember them mentioning her friend and i was like why are they talking about this lady like who cares yeah I understand that, that her friend died, and since they had the same name, she took the paper. Like, I didn't get that. I didn't, I didn't ever, it never stood out to me, but I went back and read that page and was like, oh, wow, it was such a quick blip. But there was this chapter at the very end that had gotten cut, and um, but she ended up including it at the end, so you could read it. And I thought, why was that cut? Yes. Like, that was a great chapter, and, and this stuff really happened, like... Don't sugarcoat it for the ease of your readers. Like the Holocaust is not, it was awful and it's ugly and we should know about it. And you don't need to sugarcoat it on my defense because people went through this. This was their lives. Like we have a right to, even if it makes us uncomfortable, to still show respect in, in hearing it. And so... I was kind of disappointed she cut that out. I thought this was a this yeah. was a really interesting chapter that really gave it even a deeper depth to Anya. Me too, because... She so even mentioned, I had like how she met this woman and they formed a bond, blah blah. And I even thought to myself, well, whatever happened to her? Yeah, they should have included the chapter. Yeah, they should have included it. I was kind of well, surprised they didn't. I have a a friend. He actually was an exchange student that our family had one year. Mm -hmm. And he's from Germany. And Germans are very, very ashamed of that period in time. And to me, and probably to you, we don't quite understand that shame or can't really comprehend it because we're like, it wasn't you, but they're very ashamed yeah. of it. And so maybe that's why she didn't include that chapter. Maybe she still mm -hmm. feels that shame, even though it wasn't her. It wasn't her well, I guess it was sort of her family, but but it wasn't her. And I think as Americans, maybe we don't quite understand that. Yeah, scene. I did like. I don't, and also, did you guys read where the author talked about her experience writing this book? The very long-winded experience. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I agree that. I'm sorry. I just. It's okay. I uh, you know honestly, this was not. We had talked about this kind of at work as we were reading this, that I was like, oh, this is painful. But after I read kind of what the author went through to to bring this book to fruition, I had a new newfound respect. Like this was not just a fiction book that like, oh, I picked during the Holocaust. She um, talked about Jessica Shattuck talked about how she spent seven years 
developing this book. And the seven years were researching and talking to Holocaust survivors and people and Germans who lived during that time. And um, some of the characters were modeled after um, real stories that she had heard. And I, I can't remember which one I should have looked before we recorded, but one of the characters was like modeled after one of her relatives. And so she had spent a bunch of time with her relative kind of getting the stories during that time. So that brought it to like, wow, like, okay, this isn't just something that was concocted and made up. Like she actually pulled together people's life experiences and, and wove it into this book that took her seven years to do. So I did have a newfound respect when I know the the care and love that she put into this. Right. And I think that's what I'm kind of getting at too, is that Germans, whether right or wrong, they seem to just carry that shame. And we as Americans, we're not hateful towards Germans because we, we know that it wasn't mm -hmm. them that did this. You know, it wasn't, we don't feel, well, at least I don't. And I, I think that most of, most Americans don't feel no. hatred or, or anything towards Germans because of that, but they feel a lot of shame um, about what happened. And, and I think that's what Jessica said. I know that's what our exchange student mm. has said. And yeah, I just think they just yeah. are shamed. It's unfortunate. So anybody else have anything pressing to say? So Tanisha, you said that you really thought Sherilyn and I both liked Anya the best because I liked her the best because I thought she was just a badass. I was really impressed with her, yeah. how she handled the Russians and how she did that. And, and I also and did like Marianne was a badass and she's like, I'm going to go find these kids. I'm going to go find these moms. She was writing letters to everybody. She kept herself very busy. She was working out like the displacement persons camps, like volunteering and helping um, I feel like she was, you know, very busy. She was on sort of a moral high horse a little bit where they would they start showing videos and yes. post up pictures of what, you know, the Germans had done so that they would realize what had gone on. And, you know, people didn't see that, but she, you know, kind of forced it down everyone's throats. Like, you have to know. And, and I understand to a point on that, but she was kind of like, I don't know. I just really like that she she didn't want anybody to forget though too. She didn't Yeah. I did like Marianne. I have nothing I think Marianne was a great character. I think that um she was morally sound and she stuck I, I'm all about I don't like wishy washy people and Benita was wishy washy and Marianne was very yes. this is what I believe, this is who I am and I'm not gonna change. And she made some bad decisions kind of a little bit throughout or maybe she overstepped. But really, she really reunited all of these women and did a really good job of kind of pulling different personalities together and really caretaking. So I think that she was an incredible character and very strong. And I also liked that she was humble enough to admit her shortcomings. She never tried to tiptoe. She, you know, especially as she got older, she really looked back and you could tell she kept kept a lot of shame and guilt over into well sort of see i don't feel like she i don't feel like she admitted her shortcomings enough that's where i kind of draw the line with mariana i don't really like i mm -hmm. i appreciate her loyalty i mean obviously she was very loyal i appreciate that about her i appreciate that she is a strong woman but i think that she is a little was not quick enough to admit her shortcomings and that's where I don't like Mariana so much 
Anya. I love that she could admit her shortcomings. And, and I kind of feel like when people really, really screw up, like Anya really screwed up being well, a member of the Nazi everybody. party. She hid but... from her husband that she was already married to a Nazi. She didn't tell anybody who she really was or the truth. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I guess and she well, did. I guess I didn't catch She that did murder her husband. <laughs> Gave him a bit too much laudanum. <laughs> I guess yeah. I didn't read that part either. You're, I need to just see how you forget the bad the book, parts of on. But well, it's not that I forgot him. I just honestly I didn't really know <laughs> the book very well. On, I liked Anya because of what I learned from it. Like I said, uh, it was kind of profound to me and questions that I've had my whole life, and I felt like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like I understand now. So that's why I liked her a lot. But. They, that's just what the author did good though she made all of the characters so they just had a lot of depth and so they were lovable and yeah. they they all were lovable in their way and then also had things about them that you didn't like they weren't just like these unrealistic people they were people that like you and i where we make mistakes and we do things that hurt other people or we sometimes overstep you know yeah. like they were very realistic people and so really i kind of identified with all of them throughout the book yeah, they were complicated i also think a little bit of you know marianne's thing was that she loved connie she always kind of had them yes more than her yeah and i Connie's think that she did, didn't ever sure. feel like benita was enough and so the fact that she didn't feel benita was worshiping connie like she felt like he should be just kind of rubbed her the wrong way too yeah that's what i was gonna say before that i think that Mariana loved Connie more than Benita did and so I think I think Mariana got pissed that Benita was going to move on and from Connie and Mariana really had right. moved on from Connie yeah so that's where I think yeah so I agree with that so what do you guys think for uh overall like what would you rate what um I'm I'm between two. I'm at maybe uh the uh the gold old combination of the the Plaquenil and Azithromycin. I'm at that that comp. Did you? Wow, that's the highest. I did. Wow. Congrats. But you know what? But you know what? I still take a point off because it took me three months to read. Just because the the sheer fact that yeah. dad. Uh, let's be fair. No, you can't take that away. Yeah. Anything at That's all. Yeah, you're right. I should take it off. Let's. So now that. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no, we think it's no. Three point five. You said it. Okay, Cheryl. How about you? You know, I will have to give myself a C minus because I am not ready for this test. I really did not read the book very well. I mean, it was kind of like I did the cliff notes <laughs> thing. So I am I really want to rate the book high, but I just don't feel like I'm qualified to really truly rate the book. I'm, yeah, I don't, I'm going to have to abstain. Okay, okay, wait, are you going to read it again or are you just going to? I really want to read it again. I really do want to read it when I have time to just read it. Because I'm telling you, I uh, have been so distracted by everything that's going on in the nation and by trying to change my IRA to a Roth IRA <laughs> think, and trying to get my, my finances in order. So I, just, I think, yeah, I I think to it. me that indicates that it's probably a three just an azithromycin. 
Yeah. Because it means that you could read it again or that you wouldn't mind reading it again. Yeah. So let's just. Okay. That was yeah. middle. Okay. I'm going to give it a 3.5. Okay. Okay. I think, um, I think overall we could just call this one an azithromycin. We'll just call it a three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, I that think that good. feels, cause you know, it had really great points, but I don't know if I would, I don't know. I don't think of it as a novel. It was a little bit of a downer. I mean, it was really yeah. kind of a depressing book to read. So, but th- that doesn't necessarily mean that. Yeah, it's that's a bad the subject book. title. I mean, you can't. You know, I'd life be, life can be depressing be sometimes, and, and yeah. that's a very depressing yeah. subject. So, uh, like Schindler's <laughs> List, for instance, was this great book, but it wasn't a feel-good story. So, well, actually, I I take that back. Schindler's List was that's a feel-good good story to me. Sweet. That he saved all those people. Okay, so Tanisha, you are next on I'm so excited. Oh, I have to stop myself. I can't wait to hear. Oh, I can't okay, wait to ready. hear it. So this last year, it won second place in the Goodreads Best of Fantasy section. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for picking historical drama, yeah. Cheryl. You get a fantasy Girl. book. Um, I've heard really great things about it. It's on, it's in like the top 20 for read from Amazon, like the number of people are buying or whatever. So it's called The Starless Sea by Eric Morgenstern. The Starless The what? No, like Star. Scarlet is in red. So it's the Starless Sea as in water. (laughs) Starless. Yeah, oh, like Starlit C. Okay. Starless. Oh, Starlit C. Less. Where to spell it? Oh my it? gosh, you guys. Starlit like a woman. Oh my god. C A R L E S S for Starless E S A. Oh. Okay. Starless like there are no stars in the sea. As an ocean. Okay. Aaron, E-R-I-N, Morgan Stern. So it's M-O-R-G-E-N-S-T-E-R-N. Well, that's appropriate. It sounds Jewish. And we just read a book about yeah. the Jewish sure. Holocaust, yeah. sort of. That's, that's, that's a good, excellent good way to just segue Girl. into... I sure do. Okay. Far beneath the surface of the earth open the shores of the starless sea. There is a labyrinth collection of tunnels and rooms filled with stories. The entryways that lead to the sanctuary are often hidden, sometimes on forest floors, sometimes in private homes, sometimes in plain sight. But those who seek will find their doors have been waiting for them. Zachary Ezra Rollins is searching for his door, though he does not know it. He follows a silent siren song, an inexplicable knowledge that he is meant for another place. When he discovers a mysterious book in the stacks of his campus library, he begins to read, entranced by tales of lovelorn prisoners, lost cities, and nameless acolytes. Suddenly, a turn of the page brings Zachary to a story from his own childhood, impossibly written in this book that is older than he is kind of sounds like never-ending story a little bit like yeah tanisha you may i know it sounds fun i like it i'm excited this sounds way better than the power i'm just saying any book is better than the power amen Oh, that's awful. But this one sounds really fun. And it sounds like it can be 
escape from yeah. the COVID and from your IRA. I like it. Yeah, yeah I like it. I need it something great. a little more lighthearted in a depressing time. Definitely. I like treasure hunter type stories, which is what this kind of yeah. sounds like. And I'm yeah, excited. I, I like want to it. actually start it, it sounds soon good. as we finish. It sounds good. Um, this. As soon as we finish what? Tonight? Yeah, I'm starting it tonight. Well, we're not going to meet again for a while, though, Tanisha. You guys have to read it twice. You'll have it all done by tomorrow. all over you guys every day. You done yet? You done yet? No, I'm jumping in this one. I'm going to do it. Well, you know, it took us two months to meet. We could, if we all finish this in a hurry, we could do it sooner. Cheryl, stop messing with your IRA. Yeah. Yeah. I've real world stuff. <laughs> I think I've got my IRA all settled. I'm all good now. Yeah, financing. Seriously, <laughs> boom. Just kidding. <laughs> it's no, my it's new hobby. Hopefully, hobby. <laughs> so, um, to kind of wrap things up with everybody. So, if you already um, listen to our podcast and you have not um, gone onto our Facebook page or our Instagram page, go follow us on there. And we're going to be doing um, future giveaways and kind of updates of what our next episodes are. We also are working on starting to kind of put together merchandise. So far, we have our first merchandise thing. I had. Um, magnets made up. So if you are a listener and you would like a drug dealing bookers podcast magnet, send us a message and I will put it in the mail. All right. Hey, do we have a book giveaway for yeah, do Women you? in the Castle? I did not start one, but well, I forgot the, how we were yeah, giving them you away. have the hard copy? All right. Yeah. I do, but I forgot. Well, I is. will start one. So yeah, I'll start giveaways online. So if you are one of our listeners, I will start posting about the giveaway and we will mail Women in the Castle to one of you lucky listeners. So go follow with our autographs and a nice little message. Hey, and maybe we should do a bonus. <laughs> yes, you get a magnet. Booyah. Hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Send us a picture of your magnet on the fridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. great. Okay. Bye. Bye, Bye girls. <laughs>